Welcome everyone. This is uh, UX Maturity episode 27 and today we are going to talk about my favorite topic of all time, <laughs> which is imposter syndrome. I'm your co-host Leo. And I'm Susan. To remind you, the best way to support us is to subscribe, follow us, share, rate and review on whatever platform you're using to um, for, for listening to us. Um, it's the best way to, to bump our content up in the, in the various um, suggestion charts from, from the various podcast um, platforms. So yeah, if you enjoy that, consider doing that. We'd be really grateful. So let's start with today's topic. What, what is imposter syndrome, Susan? Imposter syndrome is, um, I mean, there are different ways of uh, defining it, but I think a common definition is uh, it's it's sort of like this internalized fear that an individual have that their skills or achievements or their abilities aren't uh, good or, or you, you um, doubt your own skills and achievements and abilities, even though you have external evidence and validation of, of said skills, achievements and abilities in the form of grades, if you're studying job offers, promotions, performance reviews, and uh, and so on. And so, yeah, it's this internalized fear and um, anxiety almost or, or self-doubt that you're not, uh, you're, that you're a fraud uh, is, is a common way of putting it. Yeah. Is that how you define it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great definition, actually. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was going to say something weird about, uh, yeah, it's when you don't believe in yourself and uh, you just believe in your fraud. But I think your definition was more spot on than that. <laughs> Although I will say I will say that um, the fraud part was something that, like the part about imposter syndrome, the imposter bit and, and believing that you're, that you're a fraud is uh, something that made me feel like I was an imposter with the imposter syndrome. This is getting very meta, but I felt like I wasn't worthy of imposter syndrome because I felt like those with imposter oh, no. syndromes are really, really good. And it's like really, really good achievers who, who doubt themselves and I'm not so good. So I wasn't worthy of imposter syndrome and I definitely didn't feel the fraud part. Um, this is uh, imposter syndrome level 1000. <laughs> I'm not good enough to have imposter syndrome. Um, I also wanted to add that um, uh, I actually did homework as the as the Hermione Granger uh, with imposter syndrome <laughs> that I am uh, prior to this episode, or or I didn't do homework. I, I just looked up some uh, bits that I wanted to talk about, uh, and it came from uh, an ex colleague of mine who has uh, she works in tech, but she's also uh, a life coach. Uh, and does lots of events on on life coach topics and and I went to an event of hers recently or a few months back on imposter syndrome where she introduced five types of imposter syndrome um which not all of them have to do not all of them emphasize the fraud aspect so much so that's when I kind of realized oh there, there are different types of imposter syndrome and maybe one of them or a few of them suits you better. So you don't have to subscribe to this belief that uh, unless I think I'm a fraud, uh, I don't have imposter syndrome. So the five types are, I'll, I'll describe them at a high level and I'll be super curious to see where you, you feel like you fit, Leo. Um, so number one, one type of imposter syndrome is a perfectionist. 
uh, and that's where you um, have extremely high expectations of yourself and, and you feel like everything must be perfect. And if, you, if it's not perfect, then, you know, you're an imposter. So that's number one, perfectionist. Uh, number two is the superhero. The superhero is a, a workaholic and you push yourself really hard. You work long hours and uh, yeah, you just work really, really hard. And if you don't work long enough and hard enough then uh, and juggle all the different tasks and responsibilities that you set to yourself, then uh, uh, you feel like an imposter or not good enough. Uh, so that, that was number two, superhero. Number three is the natural genius. So if you're a natural genius type of imposter syndrome carrier um you feel like you need to get things right on the first attempt uh and mm. you need to get things right really quickly and effortlessly so um uh, if you feel like you have to put in effort uh to achieve something then you feel like you're not good enough and, and you're an imposter so that was number three natural genius and then number four is soloist uh and that is uh the type of imposter syndrome where you feel like you need to achieve things on your own and asking for help is failure soloist and number five is uh the expert uh and that's where you feel like you need to know everything and have all the knowledge and be an expert in in whatever uh, area it is um you have imposter syndrome in and if you don't know something then you're a failure so those are the five perfectionist oh superhero God. natural genius soloist and expert <laughs> i love the fact that i love the fact that the um, uh they sound positive you know, when you say superhero, expert, natural genius, soloist, perfectionist, they kind of sound, I mean, there, there is a positive side of those words. But then, uh, yeah, when, when and, and you know, when, when you were presenting them, I was like, I'm not, I'm not any of these because they sound too positive. <laughs> so it's my imposter syndrome coming, you know, kicking in. Uh but now that you describe them, I see how they work. So yeah, I'm I'm two of them. I was one, and then I'm not that one anymore, and I'm a different one now. <laughs> so I think that before, I was uh, expert. So I I really felt felt like I had to know, you know, because they hired me with a senior title. That means that I I need to know everything, and it's not acceptable if I don't. Uh, and then I started understanding that when you don't know something, this is where this is how you learn. So I, I don't feel like I need to hide the fact that I'm not an expert in order to learn more. Uh, you can't really be an expert in everything. But I struggled like a lot of a lot of time, like a lot of my life, <laughs> being trying trying to be an expert and try to be someone who. Uh, well, I wasn't really, uh, especially especially before in my career. Now I can say that you know I can, I'm not an expert, but I can go deep in certain areas. Um, but I'm totally fine not knowing about many other things. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the what's the fun? Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't categorize me. I wouldn't label myself as an expert anymore. Uh, but I definitely fit into the perfectionist. <laughs> it's the thing that keeps me iterate on everything I do constantly because i'm never happy and i know that it could be better and i always feel like it's not it's not there yet it's not perfect yeah, people will know you know <laughs> people will notice there is something that i'm missing but but yeah thank you for sharing them with me i didn't i didn't know those uh, different definitions it's, uh, it's very interesting just a disclaimer that i don't know how psych 
psychologically research-wise sound mm. they are. So I don't know how much grounding it has in psychology, but it could just be pop psychology. Uh, yeah, but it's it's it a works. helpful way of grouping things, I think. Where, where, where do you fit in? Oh, this is really sad, but I, I feel like I'm all five of them quite <laughs> equally. <laughs> like, I don't feel okay. like I'm one of them any more than the other. Um, they're kind of different... Uh, different uh categories get dialed up and dialed down as mm. i navigate life and and things but i yeah i see myself that's in true. all of them yeah yeah that's true there are there are periods where maybe one of them plays you know a bigger role yeah yeah definitely i think i i the one that's quite dialed down now uh, so i feel less of a perfectionist that now i have i felt like a perfectionist a lot before but I've reached a point where I'm like I don't know there's so much mental load to carry around <laughs> and if I can cut down on some of it then it's a perfectionism it's uh, easier to let go of yeah one thing that uh, I know that I mentioned this in uh in, in the previous episode when we 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 shared what we learned um and I think one thing that really helped me is uh, journaling, like daily journaling, just log what happened during the day because it gives me a sense of progress. Um, and the fact that perfectionism was uh, kicking in a lot um, regarding imposter syndrome is that if progress wasn't clear to me, it always felt like I didn't do my best uh, it's not like I didn't do enough. That's why I probably don't fit in the superhero category because I don't like overstretching me myself. Um, I always, uh, I always felt like if I overwork or I, I really push myself too much, I get into a zone where I'm not productive anymore, and I don't like that feeling. Uh, but the thing is, uh, if I feel like I'm using my time, I mean the time that I have to produce something, I always feel like I can do better anyway uh, but journaling is a great practice because it, it allows me to see progress in front of my eyes and to reflect on that progress so you say maybe i didn't yeah i mean it still kicks in it says maybe i didn't do my best but hey this is what i did and this is what i learned i think that's uh, such an important technique to help people with their imposter syndrome or it helps me anyway so to kind of note down what you've achieved and reflect on on either your achievements if you kind of reached a goal or or reflect on the progress you've made towards the goal if you're not quite there yet and be quite explicit uh, at it either whether it's journaling and writing it down for yourself or if you're in a team context you talk about it um so, for example, in my team, uh, we do this thing where on Mondays we set goals for the week and then on Fridays we do a round where we each reflect on how well we've done on those goals. And that's a nice way for us to realize that we have made progress on some things, even if we haven't achieved all the things we set out to do or if we've achieved all the things we set out to do Um and that's a great celebration and I think it's important to do that for yourself as well so not just in a team but for yourself and be very uh, externalize your achievements uh, because it becomes a little bit more objective that way and, and less 
and less subjective in your own mind. Yeah, it's a great practice if you do it as a team, but like it's even it's even better if you do it to yourself. It's really like especially if you if you have a lot of imposter syndrome, it's very easy to to just believe that you're not doing enough all the times. You know, you you always think uh probably that person that I admire would do 10 times better or you know the process that I'm doing is probably it's not even meant to be like this and someone with real skills will will do it properly and I don't even know I'm just improvising so yeah it's it's really really important especially when you when you have achievements when you have good results to to just note them down like tell them to yourself so why do you think that happens? Why do you think people have imposter syndrome? I was going to ask you the same question and now I have to answer it first. Um, well, I think uh, I'm sure there's lots of research and, uh, into this, which I haven't done my homework on. Uh, but I do think why an individual has imposter syndrome depends a lot on the individual's background. I think for me, it's a lot of... Um, it's a lot of cultural upbringing and uh, you touched on this or I touched on this a little bit uh, towards the end of our last episode. But I, I grew up with East Asian parents, Chinese parents uh, specifically, in a very Western context and in a Western country. And uh, I grew up with quite high expectations uh of myself from my parents and that had a lot to say the the kind of cultural Chinese expectation of achievement uh, and the confusion of, of growing up in Europe uh, and feeling both European and Chinese at the same time um, I also think um, certain like how well represented you are in your environment has a say so for example, I can only speak to my experience and I can't speak to the experience of everyone else with imposter syndrome. But for me, uh, as a woman and as a generally underrepresented person in tech, there's often the element of, am I here because of affirmative action? Am I here as a tick box exercise? So there's that on top of it. Um, and then, yeah, so cultural upbringing, uh, to what extent you're represented well in your environment. And the third thing I'll highlight is, uh, as a factor, is also your general personality trait. So I'm a generally neurotic, anxious person uh, who stresses <laughs> out a lot. <laughs> so, so I'm kind of like, well, of course I'm going to have imposter syndrome. I'm not a confident, um, I mean, I, I'm not underconfident. So that's the thing as well. I, don't, I wouldn't say imposter syndrome is the same as underconfidence because uh, I can I can be I can be confident to the point of like obnoxious arrogance at times. It's it's, it's different and it's complicated. Uh, but uh, as a person who is generally I call it high functioning anxiety, uh, it's probably not a proper thing, but that's that's, that's me as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's my personality type uh, for me. How about you? What do you, where does yours come from? Oh, it's always been like this in my in my life, but I think um, I think it's also a growing up as a as a man like gives you it gives you like all the privileges that I'm aware of. You know, obviously the world is way harder for minorities, 
But the thing is, uh, men always have to men up. Um, so it, it is it is like a very machism um, uh, society. And you're not really allowed to show your vulnerabilities. Uh, so all this self-doubt and um, thinking that you're not good enough, thinking that you don't deserve what you have, um, is constantly there. And for a long time in my life, I didn't really express it with anyone. You know, I wasn't supposed to feel that way. And yeah, the problem is definitely, you know, society and the patriarchy, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> like I, everything around it. Uh, but, um, but I think, uh, I think at one point I realized that screw that, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I am a vulnerable, I can be vulnerable. I I can I can just um I can just say that that I don't feel great that I feel that I'm not good enough that I, I I I at least I have to admit it to myself and the problem was actually at the beginning admitting it to yourself because uh, you're not man enough if you don't do it so yeah I think uh, <laughs> yeah I don't I don't want to get political or <laughs> or um, talk about issues that I'm not an expert in. But definitely we should talk more as a society about common issues that all the humans have, in my opinion. Um, and just we are just blocked talking about that from all the society infrastructures that we have. It makes me wonder if part of the reason imposter syndrome is so prevalent is historically we didn't talk about it much. Yeah, because showing vulnerability and uh, talking about how much you doubt yourself and feel like you're not good enough in a kind of high performance context, which our industry often is and lots of uh, lots of work environments are uh, high performance and high achievement uh, contexts. It's it, talking about, you know, feeling like you're not good enough is sort of like uh, talking about that you're a failure. Um and I've noticed more and more that people talk about their imposter syndrome more, or at least for me, I hear about it more from other people, people I wouldn't expect to have imposter syndrome, and we're sort of gradually um, being more open about it as a, as a community and as an industry. Uh, and that's, well, I don't know about you, but that's helped me a lot to to realize that, oh, no one else feels like they know what they're doing and I don't feel like I know what we're doing uh, what I'm doing and we're all yeah. just faking it till we're making it. So, you know, if if they're if they've made it this far with imposter syndrome and I've made it this well, this far with imposter syndrome then maybe we all deserve to be here. What do you think? Let's keep going. <laughs> I think you just have to accept it as a as a part of you. Uh but but it's a uh, it's really good to really be comfortable with your feelings and it's it's really hard sometimes you feel things that you reject and you say you know i don't want to feel like that uh you get upset about something you get anxious about something and you're like you know what i don't want to be anxious about this and rejecting is never helpful because those feelings are there if you reject them you're you're just ignoring them actually but they don't disappear so I mean, as like like the imposter syndrome, it's going to be there. So it's it's better that you face it, <laughs> and and you try to work with it, try to to get the best out of it. Say why why am I doubting myself? What's what's wrong with 
what I'm doing, what what is it that I don't um, feel comfortable with, and just asking yourself these questions, remind remind yourself of your achievements. I think it helps a lot. What you said also made me think about how imposter syndrome might be a healthy sign uh, for a lot of people. If if you have imposter syndrome, it could be a sign that you really care and you want to perform and you want to do well. I'm just rehashing things my psychologist told me about myself <laughs> at this point. <Yeah. laughs> so this is not original Susan thoughts. <laughs> But uh, there is something to it. Like um, if you get so um, stressed out or anxious about your own performance um, and and what people think, um, I mean, of course, it's not good to it's not good to um, have such severe imposter syndrome that you can't function and it really impacts your mental health. But maybe a little bit is actually a good thing or it's a good sign that um, you you care. You care about your job or we care about the podcast. When you asked me if I wanted to join, I had like I had a classic imposter syndrome. Like, why would anyone listen to me? <laughs> talk? Or, or I'm not good enough to join Leo on this podcast. Um, and that that was a healthy level of imposter syndrome for me because uh because it's yeah it it helped me realize i want to do well in this because i care about this thing that we're making and i want it to be good and provide value not just to us but the people who are listening this actually um brings me to the following point which is about managing yourself and I think you made an important point. There is a uh, there is a uh, time where your imposter syndrome gets too much, and it's hard to manage. And it actually impacts your um, your life. In that case, get help. Um, I, I mean it. You know, I've been in therapy for years now, and I love it. So I couldn't recommend it more <laughs> to to many people. But the thing is, uh, it's true. Like get 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 helped um, because it's a uh, it's your life and you know it's worth it um but any you know any other milder um uh, imposter syndromes that that you have there is always a way to manage them and to use them at your own advantage i find uh like what you what you said before it's uh you you know that it's there you know that you're you are the one doubting yourself uh, but you could also use it as a um a motivator so something that okay you know I'm anxious I want this to really to really be good so what can I do to to ensure that the next episode is going to be a good episode and kind of come up with a list and you say okay I'm gonna mention these points I'm gonna do these kind of research um, I'm gonna set it up a bit I'm gonna put a bit of structure around it and those kind of things make you feel more comfortable. Um, then of course, like you're still gonna have it, but <laughs> but if you if you can still function, I think, and you can use it for in a, in a way to get more productive and and make your content better, your project better, whatever it is that you that you're doing, then it gets a gets like a good thing. Am I allowed to say that it's a good thing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think you are, and I think another helpful thing with imposter syndrome is to reframe the 
absence of perfection you sometimes might feel that you know it's not perfect enough I'm not good enough reframe the not good enough into uh, learning Uh, and this goes into what we talked about in the episode about making mistakes and reframing mistakes and failures as learning opportunities instead so uh, what if we what if we mess up an episode of this podcast are we failures or can we learn from it and and I think it's important for us not to kind of wallow in the imperfections of a sloppy or bad episode yeah and um, this is why for me for example self-reflecting is so important is because I can I can take these learnings and absorb them because before when when I wasn't self-reflecting as much as I as I do now um, there was this kind of underlying anxiety feeling and I didn't know well how to manage it, but I think it's uh, it's it's really important. And then when you when you fail something, when you make a mistake, when you feel that you're not good enough, you can still sit down and and reflect on the reason why, and and then extrapolate learnings from there. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Self reflection is so key to I feel this is getting into very self help territory, but it is healthy to. <laughs> reflect on yourself and your experiences and to go to therapy if that's accessible to you so yeah we're working on your self-improvement is important i have a question though what if um someone else comes to you in uh confidence even maybe it's someone quite junior and they maybe they don't use the term imposter syndrome but they're describing anxieties and worries and fears that point to imposter syndrome so it's a junior person on your team who says i, f- I feel like i can't i can't take on this assignment i'm not good enough you should give it to someone else yeah what should you tell them nice question i think uh <clears throat> you know it's 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 a tricky industry the one that we are that we are in because tech companies they say we hire very smart people so you you kind of already put into competition with people that are really smart and they achieve a lot and they ship things and they understand the market they understand users so it's really really easy to get into that territory of doubt doubting yourself and whether you are the best person for the assignment or not um, so especially if you're if you're a junior and struggling with imposter syndrome, you you might feel that way when it's something that you've never done before. I think the most important thing that you can do as a manager is to create a safe space for your team. I think we mentioned this in a in, in some of other episodes, more than once probably. But I I want to reiterate on the fact that that is the really the most important thing, because when you have that safe space. Um, and you create the culture of not blaming um, and everything is about improving ourselves as people really Um, it gets easier to manage this kind of anxiety for anyone in your team so you know if, if someone is stressed about something as a manager you can you can first of all tell them make them understand this is not about testing you as a designer this is, uh, yeah, maybe you're going to fail. You know, probably you're going to fail. You've never done it before. You're, you're going to make mistakes. And we are going to use them, those mistakes, and extrapolate learnings from them. Um, is the company going to fail because of that? No, <laughs> probably not. If, if it is, probably you 
are you were wrong putting just one person <laughs> on that <laughs> on that project uh so definitely you know get get that out of the door say this you know you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes and that's okay and probably the second the second thing is um individuate with them what the things that make them feel uncomfortable are and understand how to support them if you are their manager you are there to help them you are ultimately responsible for the outcome of your team um and not to just see how people are doing and to give feedback to them but actually proactively helping them create opportunities for them so i i think it's easier to name things like what what is it is it uh, the uh you know networking aspect maybe i'm just making up random examples <laughs> is it a process is it um uh the that workshop that you have to facilitate that stresses you once once they're out on the table then it's easier to understand how to help them uh whether they need training whether they they can do it with someone else um uh whether they just need confidence and you telling them you know you have all the skills to do this <laughs> it's just a uh let's see really what what are the the single elements that stress you about that and let's talk about them i think that's great that's that's great uh, advice and to add to that i think it's also very helpful as a manager of someone who might doubt themselves uh to map out their strengths and be really explicit on where that person who's doubting themselves where they really excel and where they're strong and not just say it in passing or not just say it in conversation or in a one to one which which you should also do but actually like make it really tangible uh you can do this on a team level uh as well i like um when i lead a team i like to do exercises where we map out our uh individual strengths in a team and where we can contribute because it helps people see that see where their individual role is in a team and where they can use their strengths to fit in because perhaps what often happens especially if you're a little bit junior is you you see your peers or you see other team members or you see other more senior team members and they're perhaps stronger in things that, that than you are so that they, their strengths are different from your strengths and instead of realizing that they their strengths are different than my strengths as a junior person uh, you, you just see inadequacy you see that you're not as good as them and there's this mental bias that you have where you just focus on where you're not as good as them and you become a bit blind to where your your own strengths are because you don't have that same measuring stick uh so to so to speak so as a manager or as a team lead i think it's quite uh, valuable to map out each individual person's strengths and uh both on an individual level and on the team level so they see where they fit in in the big picture yeah excellent point and uh, you made me think about one other thing so slightly related to this not not really but especially if you have people with uh with a lot of imposter syndrome in your team and there is that one person who is maybe overly confident very skilled very prepared but ready to jump in when someone is having some difficulties and do the work themselves i've seen that before it just brings the morale down in the team a lot and ultimately the outcome of your team uh is going to be lower because just one person can't replace the the effort of the entire team don't allow that 
but when I when I when I talk about um, creating a safe space, I mean exactly that. So you must work on dynamics. Again, this is my opinion, but I think uh, I think it's better to work on dynamics in your team that allow everyone to express themselves. So if there is one person who kind of undermines that dynamics and um, doesn't make it feel like a safe space, then things are not going to work as good as before. I have a question for you about creating safe space. And this is a genuine question that comes from me personally uh, about my own imposter syndrome. So my question is, to what extent do you think it's good thing or a not so good thing that senior people or leads or managers are very open and vocal about their own insecurities and the reason I'm asking this is because I've noticed in the last few years I've I think I'm trying to overcompensate for my uh, imposter syndrome for my more junior days by being very open about my imposter syndrome so I find myself constantly telling my team and other anyone really at work that I don't know what I'm doing I feel like I don't know what I'm doing uh (laughs) can someone help me or um it's okay to not to not know what you're to not know what you're doing I don't feel like I know what I'm doing so I I this this goes to my neurotic anxious personality again uh (laughs) but I've reached a point where I'm genuinely asking you Leo as a friend do you think I'm doing more damage than good I love that when when a person in in my team or even another team reaches out and say, "I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help?" I value that a lot. And you know, when I started be, uh, being a manager or or a leader, um, I didn't know what I was doing. And I actually, you know, the first instinct that you have is uh, I'm managing one person or I'm managing a project. And there are all people more junior than me working in this project. Maybe you don't manage them directly, but you're kind of responsible for uh, the results of that team. So the first, the first thing that naturally comes in mind when you know, again, um, thanks to all the <laughs> society that we grew up in, where leaders are supposed to be very confident and always right, you you just think. Um, I need I need to be that person. I I need to be that person who always knows what to say, always knows what the direction should be, and just empowers everyone in the team. Um, and the reality is that I wasn't that person. And although I had that thoughts in mind, say saying, um, I I need to come across like that. Otherwise, the people who promoted me, <laughs> uh, it w- they would just um reconsider you know they they would just uh, think that it was a mistake to promote me i mean at the end it's not what i did in the end i, I was very open and i said look um i've never done this before i'm gonna make mistakes i i don't hide i want to be vulnerable like completely vulnerable and um i think it was very useful in the end because he allowed me to do two things the first thing is to uh, build trust with the people in my team because they saw me as a person with real struggles with real um emotions (laughs) and that allowed them to open up to myself and then just work together and the the other thing you always think yeah if i admit that i'm not great and that i don't have experience then uh, people won't trust me and um 
you know, the result of this team will be lower. That is not true. The people will probably trust you more because you've been honest and open with them and they will probably happily collaborate with you more uh, because you don't, you're not afraid to say, I don't know anything about this. Could you, you know, could you help? Or uh, maybe we can call someone else and, uh, and, and, and ask for help. And yeah, for me, it worked a lot. That's so great to hear. I think I'm reflecting on this because, yeah, I feel like that as women in this society, especially, and, and men as well, uh, I can imagine, we're constantly told that we need to be confident and, and build confidence. And that's where a lot of the, oh, fake it till you make it um, mantra comes from. And that's that's good in many contexts, but not always. It's not the panacea of 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 performance and achievement and um the reason i asked my question to you if if it's if it's a good thing or or not a good thing that i'm that i feel like i'm uh, overdoing the <laughs> vulnerabilities is it's almost two extremes uh two extreme ends of of the spectrum so on one end you're faking confidence all the time even though you're not actually knowing what you're doing but on the other end it could be that you're overdoing the insecurity as well and that you're um yeah, yeah that you're just appearing like you know y- you still want to instill trust in in what you're doing so there's a certain you there's a certain level you reach where it's um where it's opening up to psychological safety and showing vulnerability to to have that openness in your team and in your environment uh, but uh, I, I don't have a strong, I don't have a fully formed opinion on this. I'm right. thinking out loud and processing this as I'm talking. Like, what, when is it too much? You know, when is it, when are you too yeah. imposter, open about your <laughs> imposter syndrome? I think one of the most uh, memorable moments of being managed, <laughs> being managed sounds so weird, but uh, yeah, I had a great manager once and one of the most memorable moments I had of him was when he told me in a one-to-one we were just talking about how we were doing and he told me oh I have uh I have my one-to-one with my manager so his manager was the CEO of the company and he said oh, I, have, I have my one-to-one with uh, my manager uh, after this and I'm so nervous I'm always so full of anxiety when I go into those one-to-ones I'm just I'm shitting myself and my eyes just we're so open wide and I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I didn't lose trust in him. I gained so much trust in him that he could yeah. tell me that, that he was nervous before his one-to-one with his, um, with his manager. And it just made me realize that no matter, and he's super experienced, like head of departments for years and years. Um, and it made me realize that, that, imposter syndrome isn't something that goes away when you become more experienced he immediately became more human right exactly yeah yeah and not this um what's it called like this person you put on a pedestal of like yeah i need to reach that level of achievement and performance and promotion and perfection uh, that even when you reach that level you still doubt yourself yeah yeah, I completely agree, and I, I see I see the point there of uh, uh, that this is a way to create that safe space, opening up. Um, this is a by the way, I just wanted to add, it's a really 
personal experience how you deal with this um and yeah i mean we are just sharing our opinions again uh, but this is very personal and it's different to everyone in different contexts i think um and one thing that probably i wanted to add is that you don't have to say everything you don't have to share everything share what you want to share this is your decision um and and i think it's important because uh as you said like especially like leadership groups they want to see results they want to trust you um so probably you don't have to overly share how you feel with them um be um focused on what they want to see and bring results you know being 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 an imposter feeling like an imposter feeling vulnerable having this anxiety doesn't mean that you're not going to do a great job you're actually probably going to do a great job because it, it means that you're someone who reflects a lot and people who reflect a lot they usually do a very good job in everything they do so so bring those results uh you you choose what to share um with the different people in uh, in your team it's completely up to you but be focused on the thing that you are doing and um how you want to communicate with different people in the organization i apply that to life as well by the way <laughs> it's not just about how you interact with people in the business but also with friends with family um you can be open but you can choose what to say you can choose what to share yeah i think that's a very important point to make because as our industry gets more and more um preoccupied with creating safe spaces and psychological safety it's also important to be mindful that not every person is as comfortable talking about their feelings exactly in the open yeah. as other people or, or it could it could even be um it, it might also not be a question of whether or not they're comfortable it could just be their preference and i remember i i joined a company that had uh, very many women in it um majority women refreshingly and uh, we had um, a strong culture of sharing our feelings and our emotional state uh, when we had meetings and um, I remember there was one team member who was not a woman and who was also from a culture where perhaps talking about your feelings isn't so common and I could tell that he was less comfortable starting every meeting with sharing how he was doing honestly and that's okay like you you shouldn't um just because we're moving in the right direction when it comes to showing vulnerability and creating safe spaces and and uh, building psychological safety it doesn't mean that everyone moves at the same pace and and with the same um behaviors necessarily our values could still be the same and that's a good thing but the way our values manifest themselves in our behavior in a team context and how we express ourselves they might not be the same and that's okay uh what did you what did you learn susan uh my learning this week or lesson if i'm being pedantic um is sort of related to this episode in some way or at least the tone of it So I learned um, that escapism can be a sign of burnout. Um, well, I'd, again, I don't know how well researched this is from a scientific and psychological point of view. Dr. Google told me this, but uh, I think there's something to it. So 
as we're approaching the holidays, um, I'm, I'm not religious, but I love Christmas and it, and it brings a lot of joy and delight in my life. I look forward to it every year. But with all the uncertainty happening in the world at the moment, I found myself getting into this unhealthy mental space where I was going too far into Christmas nostalgia and, and kind of the, oh, back in the day. Um, and then I watched Little Women, the latest version, the film, which is based on the book by Louisa May Alcott. Um, and I love it. I, I read it as a teenager, as a kid, and I it has such strong significance in my life. And, and Little Women just fuel that sense of both Christmas and nostalgia and Christmas nostalgia for me. <laughs> and I found myself spending two to three days going into this quite sad yearning mental space uh, of, of kind of not wanting to live in my real life and disappearing into this Christmas wonderland, escapism, basically. And um, and I, I, I noticed that, okay, this is not good. Like, looking forward to Christmas is one thing, but kind of wanting to disappear from my real life and go into this Christmas wonderland <laughs> is not good. Not when it goes over several days. And then I, I looked it up and, and I read that there could, it could be that kind of escapism escapism is a sign of burnout uh, so yeah I learned that that could be a thing and that for myself I need to be mindful of uh, this pattern when I see it in myself and watch out for burnout symptoms in myself I did solve it in the end so after two to three days of this uh, I decided okay uh, my my friend invited me out for her birthday uh, so I went out and, and also had a really nice dinner with my partner afterwards uh, at a Neapolitan place in Camden, Adore Fritto, very nice, and uh, that that solved so much. And because I I got yanked back into my life and not this fantasy world, uh, so yeah, I'm not burnt out. But I think with this year and this time uh, in the world, um, I think we're all sort of approaching that uh, place. So be mindful, uh, people. <laughs> How about you? What did you learn? Nice. I also have a mindfulness-related um, piece uh, that that I that I learned this week. For for a while, I've started listening to sleepcasts. Um, the you know I use Headspace, and they have these uh, sleepcasts, and they are like stories, like a bit dreamy bedtime stories. They just get you into a state where. You are, yes, mindful of your body, your sensations. You can do uh, some like visualization exercises. They, they guide you through them. And then they start, you know, talking about um, scenarios and landscapes. And uh, it's just so nice <laughs> to hear. <laughs> and, you, and you relate, like it's a, it's a very personal experience because they are quite generic stories. But in a way they... They trigger something in your brain. You start to 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 use your imagination, your background, to picture them um, and to to really visualize them. Like you you see you see them before before sleeping. It kind of melts up melts in in your dreams as well. And I always been someone who struggled to uh, fall asleep because uh, I was like thinking about my day and the meaning of life. <laughs> so the entire the entire spectrum of things. Uh, but yeah, this helps me a lot. And I am a big fan of mindfulness now, <laughs> uh, self-reflection and all these things. But 
Uh, yeah, sleepcasts. It's good. This is why introverts like us are so quiet. There's like a party going on in our head or a philosophical <laughs> conference or something at, at all times. <laughs> we don't have energy to communicate outwards. All, the, all that action is in our minds. Yeah. Uh, Calm, which is a similar app to Headspace, also does the sleepcast and, and I love them, uh, especially the ones with famous people telling the stories. So oh, Stephen nice. Fry, Idris Elba telling these like really nice uh, stories to put you to sleep. All right. Uh, I think this is it for, for this week. So thanks everyone for listening. This was uh, episode 27. We talked a lot about, about the imposter syndrome. Uh, let us know what you think. You can reach, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Um, the handle, our handle is uh, UX underscore maturity. So feel free to ask us questions and engage in conversations. Um, yeah, just let us know what you think. Be, be great. Um, yeah, as I said at the beginning of the episode, the best way to support us and uh, allow other people to discover our podcast and our content is to uh, rate and review and share our podcast follow us and subscribe uh, on on what pl- on, on whatever platform you're using um, and yeah so thanks everyone for listening and um, see you next week bye goodbye everyone